Hi, I am Iria Enahimio. Let the truth be told. Recently, I had a very heated virtual debate with a very dear friend. Someone with whom sharing heated argument is as enlivening as sharing full-bellied laughter. So, I think you will understand that I love to start an argument with this person until it's on the very edge of turning to a fight. I don't know whether you have ever engaged in the kind of argument in which you must be careful not to be misunderstood. In which you can so easily win for yourself a terrible and undeserved reputation. Like getting into an argument about whether freedom of speech entitles you to desecrate other people's religion or to destroy someone else's reputation. If the breach results in the aggrieved party expressing resistance to persistent assault with violence, you could easily be branded a terrorist or a supporter of terrorism. One must be careful what arguments one gets into, where one argues, or who with. When you argue with a friend that you don't want to lose, you try very hard to be careful, especially when the subject is one that is very close to your friend's heart. Because the edge between friendly banter and wrestling can be very blurred and very sharp at the same time. I'm shy to tell you what virtual argument I got into, but I guess I can't refuse to tell you because you may choose to stop listening if I don't. You see, we were discussing, uh, no, arguing about an act that is widely denounced as female genital mutilation. I hope you've guessed by now that I am a man. Brilliant. But because I suspect you've still not guessed that my friend is of the gender that is wearing the shoe, let me tell you, on the other side of the argument was a woman. No, 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 no. Don't be ashamed that you didn't realize a simple fact like that. Don't blame yourself. These things are hard to define these days. Everyone wears pants these days. All lizards lie prostrate. Who is to tell which one has bellyache? Our argument was definitely a shoe tightly and squarely on the foot of women. So, imagine my concerns. How does a man argue with a woman? The inappropriateness of the word mutilation in describing the brutalization of womanhood without cutting trouble. But, I don't agree with that term mutilation. It has to be a misnomer. And it stinks of the white man's sanctimonious attempt to civilize the natives since Africans appear to be the only ones who do such a heinous thing. Once upon a time, they called us primitive, barbaric. They rubbished African traditional religions and called us pagans, even though their priests were doing the same things our priests were doing. Even as they condemned ours, they kept their own idols inside concrete cathedrals or surrounded them with roses in the open fields around their holy places. They called our religious icons idols and insisted we discard them. Then they stole the most beautiful of them and carted them away as art, treasures that they stored in museums in their homelands. Then they taught our children to bow before their images and bathe them in olive oil and burn incense around them to drive away evil spirits. It became rewarding for our children to bear meaningless names like Douglas or Bullock. Otherwise, they could not be enrolled in schools with our beautiful, meaningful, and historically significant names. Our names were deemed to be pagan names. Well, they say time will tell. Today, 
Many foreigners troop into Yoruba hinterland to study Ifa, some of them as white as snow. But quoting verses of the Bible would not help my argument, so to brace myself I looked to my dictionary. All of a sudden the book looked so small, it didn't seem to contain enough words. I knew I was getting in trouble, but I already had one foot too deep into the argument to think of withdrawing. All I could think of was how to take advantage of the new virtual communication channels. If the push came to the shove, I would end the argument abruptly and blame it on the internet. Next day, I would then have to pretend that I didn't remember the details of the argument and brazenly refuse to continue. So, I took the option that Abba Mieda offered. Basket mouth won't start to lick again, I always knew about circumcision. After all, it happened to me. I don't remember when it was done to me, but I'm sure I must have cried my heart out. I suspect it was carried out by Boma Boy, my father, the one everyone called Soja. He had been a nurse in World War II, and I'm sure that he must have considered cutting some skin off chairman much less complicated than extracting bullets. When, as a little boy, I first heard about female circumcision, it only made me curious. I wondered whether women also wore that kind of cap, but children were not supposed to ask elders about such matters private, so it took a long time for me to discover the truth. But my curiosity had lived on even into my teens, and even so, I didn't consider the implications to womanhood. You know, you're born into a doctrine and you accept it hook, line, and sinker until it begins to interfere with your personal preferences. However, I learned enough to know that although it did not hold any advantages for women, what was being called female circumcision was a practice mainly established to serve a man's ego. A man was supposed to marry a virgin, and in some cultures it was a bride's final marital right before submitting her virtues to her man. If at that point she was discovered to have eaten from the apple of Eden, <laughs> it was a major family disgrace. There were other beliefs as well. There was, for instance, the belief that it inhibited promiscuity. There was also the belief that if a baby's head touched the clitoris during childbirth, the baby would die. So you see, the original intentions were good, but based on ignorance. New knowledge has since debunked all the old theories, which means that what is now required is behavior change. Now, we know that instead of inhibiting promiscuity, the practice of cutting off the clitoris has a 90% chance of making a woman crave for sexual fulfillment and therefore likely to be more promiscuous. The myth that the baby will die has been proven to be incorrect. And the dangers that a mother having a natural birth is exposed to are unimaginable. So, why do the activists who campaign against the practice not simply say so? The vice messages around these themes that are powerful enough to discourage such harmful cultural or traditional practice and generate behavior change. Instead, they coin phrases that debase the people and their cultures, and that can only generate resistance. After all, 
Didn't we once believe that twins were evil? Once upon a time, people raped babies in the belief that it would prevent HIV AIDS. In some places, hunchbacks are still hunted and killed for rituals. If these practices can be stopped with the right messages, so can this brutal assault on womanhood. But neither mutilation nor circumcision correctly describes the practice accurately. Circumcision is a surgical removal of the foreskin, the tissue covering the head of the penis, which the clitoris is not. Mutilation implies mangling, a tearing or crushing. It is true that mutilation may happen. For one thing, the practice is often carried out with unsterilized instruments and without anesthesia and can easily result in disaster. However, in some cultures, it's actually a ritual of bloodletting and not the removal of the clitoris. Therefore, the genital is not actually mutilated. That is why mutilation implies a condition too severe to be used as the general term for the practice. After all, it cannot be claimed that a victim was murdered because he was shot. The victim also has to die. To campaign successfully against it, appropriate terms need to be found the right message, the right language and attitude. Antagonizing the cultures and traditions that hold on to the practice can only generate resistance. The cultures and traditions that set it up have what they considered good moral and spiritual intent, which enlightenment, new knowledge, has disproved. However, condemning the entire culture and the people who practice it only sets up resistance. Resistance inhibits the success of any campaign. The new information, the facts relating to the harmful nature of the act is what is needed, not condemnation. It is light that will penetrate darkness effectively, not more darkness. I took your advice over, Lazo. If I enter trouble. Did I win the argument? Let the truth be told. Actually, I have not had the argument with my friend yet. This is actually a rehearsal. You know, if you agree with me, I will feel so much more confident to push my argument. Think I can win? You see, I already know some people who are not going to accept my argument even if they believe I'm right. Those people who take advantage of the misnomer to obtain citizenship in Europe and America they don't care what names foreigners call us as long as they get what they want. Whose side are you on? Thanks for listening, my friend. And kindly subscribe and spread the word. Please join me again in two weeks when there will be a new episode of the podcast. Beat the COVID virus. Get the vaccine as soon as you can. I am Iria Enakinyo. Stay safe.